This is Creator Culture by Hashtag Paid. Hey, I'm Danny DeSatnik, and this is a podcast all about creators. But not just any creators, I'm talking about captivating storytellers, masterful videographers, and generational writers. Each conversation explores the impact creators have on people around them, and what you'll find is not only astonishing, but inspiring. Today's guest is Tom Curtis. He's a really inspiring human. There's a good chance you've seen his work, you just might not have known that it actually was him. Tom is the creator behind Things I've Drawn, an Instagram account sharing what life would look like if it were up to kids, but more on that in a second. As always, before we get to the episode, I want to share an interesting thing I came across this week in the creator space. It's creators on Amazon Live. Now this isn't new, but you can think of Amazon Live as Amazon's live streaming meets shopping channel product for creators. Creators can get on, host a live stream for 45 minutes, talk to their audience, showcase products through Amazon, whatever else it may be, but they're holding attention for at least 45 minutes. And that time is really important, 45 minutes. This is what Amazon values when looking to work with creators. Can they hold attention for those 45 minutes? Because Amazon knows that if someone can hold attention for 45 minutes, the longer someone watches a live stream, the greater the chance that they'll actually build that relationship with that creator and the more influence the creator has to sell through products and actually be an effective creator on the platform. Why I think about this a lot and why this was something that came up this week is I was talking to a friend in the space about the idea of a creator. There's so many different types of creators that are incredible for various different purposes, but not every creator fits every bucket. But when you're looking at true influence, someone who, for all the right reasons, can get up in front of someone, in front, of, especially in front of an audience, whether virtual, in person, or static, and can sell through an idea, a mission, a product, that's insanely valuable. And that's what Amazon's looking for. And it's just a reminder for everyone here, when you're working with creators or trying to connect with creators, come up with your own decision criteria. What is it that you really value in a creator? It doesn't matter what anyone else does, but when you figure out what matters to you, the relationship that you build with them, for whatever the purpose is, is going to be incredibly, incredibly strong. Let's get to the episode. Here are three things about Tom that you should know before we dive in. He's an executive creative director at Mediacom, which is one of the biggest media agencies in the world. And it's not often you find someone who loves their job and their side hustle. Tom seems to be an enigma. The second thing is that Tom is out to make an impact by encouraging kids to keep drawing and keep creating. And he also wants to help remind adults that maybe kids have the right ideas and it's not the experience that us adults have that is maybe the right perspective. And the third thing is that even after using Photoshop for 10 plus years, Tom still thinks he's at an intermediate level. It's such a good reminder to everyone just to always be a student of the game. There's always more to learn and you just have to decide what is it that you want and what is it that you don't. So let's get to the good stuff. Here's my conversation with Tom Curtis. Creating your own brand as an artist, was that ever a goal for you? So I think when I started Things I've Drawn, it wasn't really on my mind what it was going to become in the long term. Certainly certainly when I first did it, I just did it for a bit of fun. I thought it was a good opportunity to get my kids to be creative. 
I thought it was uh, a good kind of exercise in improving my Photoshop skills. And I genuinely really enjoyed, found almost very therapeutic the process of actually creating the images. I had no idea really that it was going to get quite big, um, you know, a, a year or so later. But that said, I did know that it was quite a good idea. I did know, or, or rather, it's not that I did know, it's more that I wasn't surprised when when it did get kind of actually global attention, when it did go viral and when lots of people started liking it. And it was from the kind of early days, really, that a lot of the comments, even when I had a couple of thousand followers, just got so many laughing emojis and so many positive comments and and I've never really had any negative comments since. It's quite remarkable that barely, barely ever get any negative comments on our feed. And I think that's one of the really good things about it. It's just kind of, it's got kind of a universal appeal and, you know, happy animals, kids' drawings. Not everyone loves animals and kids, but a lot of people do. So it kind of felt like I was on a bit of a winner. But no, I didn't really think it was going to be, uh, it was going to be massive. I just kind of did it for a bit of fun. You must come up with ideas all the time. How do you prioritize the ideas that you work on? So I've got a, I've got a job as a, a creative director in, a, in an agency. And actually the most important thing of, uh, within that job, I think, is spotting good ideas and being able to articulate to people what is good in the idea that they've come up with because maybe the whole idea in itself isn't quite right, but maybe there's a spark of you know, inspiration in there that we could use as a jumping off point for something. But it's it's kind of been ingrained in me for, for a long time in my job. So with this one, I I kind of thought it was a good idea because it just felt like it was the coming together of lots of different things. I kind of mentioned a minute ago about happy animals and um and 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 kids' drawings. It didn't start that way. The first one I ever did actually was a was a self portrait no so not self-portrait obviously that meant I drew it myself Dominic drew it a portrait of me and the image that came out was actually quite grotesque and uh, I don't think it's I mean it, it couldn't have continued in that theme forever because ultimately it would have just been a horrible horrible world that I was creating as opposed to a happy playful world but I still kind of just looked at it and thought you know what I actually think that's quite good and I think people will like that and and it's just a it's just a kind of thing you 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 end up again when you have a job like myself in an, in an advertising agency you kind of just learn it to be able to see what the good idea is and even if it's not your own of course even if it's someone else's it's just a, it's a, it's a it's important it's, it's vital to, for the job really can you remember the first time that you had a really cool and creative idea like this where you had so much conviction around it, as much conviction as you did things I've drawn when you started in 2015? Yeah, I can, actually. I can. Um, and it goes back to when I was about 11, I think. Um, so I was always a, a, a very kind of creative kid. I um, happened to have an art teacher uh, for a mother. She was my own art teacher at school. And also on my other side, my dad's two brothers, so my two uncles, were also both art teachers. So we had teaching all around, but also art all around. And I was a prolific drawer and artist as a kid. A lot more than my kids are, um, I'm ashamed to say, or sad to say, rather. 
And I entered a, a Christmas card competition when I was a child. And my mum, and I'll, I'll, I can admit it now, my mum suggested this idea to me, uh, which was very simple. It was drawing Father Christmas, and then it was kind of filling uh, each element of Father Christmas with a kind of tessellation of uh, patterns of different things, you know, kind of Christmassy stuff, right, in his, in his clothes. And I remember the moment my mum said that to me, I thought, that, that is the idea that is brilliant she probably she probably will f- remember me not saying that but I was thinking it I'm pretty sure because I was like mum I'm not going to take your idea but meanwhile I was actually thinking that's a brilliant idea and sure enough it, it was a national art competition and I won that national art competition with that design and it ended up being a, a Christmas card that was sold in a shop called WH Smith's all over the UK and I won loads of prizes and stuff I, I got to meet uh, the, the, the fellow that was playing Doctor Who at the time it was a kind of a big. It was a big thing for me, and uh, and I knew. I just remember thinking that's the idea, and sure enough, it uh, it was, and it and it won the competition. Do you think if that didn't happen, you still would have been on the same trajectory that you ended up in today? Because what I've heard from a couple creators and just creatives in general is that there's usually a spark, and that spark is going from knowing that you can do an incredible job and you have amazing ideas to other people are validating that there's that idea. And once there's that validation, it's almost like gas on the fire. And now you just want to chase that, not validation, but chase that same feeling because you now know it's there. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't need that competition to know that I was going to be creative and I was going to do a creative job. I was so into it. I was so into it as a kid, really just doing it all the time. And actually I did, I did, um, I played, and the violin as well I played a lot of tennis and I had I had to make a choice between music and art I was never going to be a professional tennis player no way in hell I had to choose between music and art but it was it was quite an easy decision if I'm if I'm honest because I just I was doing it all the time and not all the time anytime I wasn't doing my other hobbies I was doing art uh, so I kind of knew but but it's interesting because then what happened was I entered the world of work. I did an art degree, right? So I did an art degree. But then when I left university with an art degree, I discovered at this point that suddenly there were all these graphic designers and graphic artists out there. And I perceived myself to not necessarily have those skills. And therefore, I wasn't going to be able to be the creative person that I wanted to be because I was not brilliant on computers. And also, we're talking about like you know, I'm 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 in my mid forties, right? It's talking about quite a long time ago, and Photoshop was quite a quite a new thing in those days. And um, and I and I went travelling, and I came back travelling for a, a year in kind of Australia and various places. And I came back, and I sat in front of a computer, thinking I was going to be a graphic designer. And, and within about two days, I thought I, I can't do this. I haven't really got a portfolio because I was kind of been doing a bit of painting and various other things at university. Um, I hadn't, so I hadn't really got a portfolio and. And I just thought, there's all these people out there that can use computers, and they don't really have necessarily have creative ability, but they have knowledge of how computers work. And I just thought this is going to be too competitive. This uh, this 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 kind of this this career landscape or whatever. So I actually got a job in a in a in a media company, a media planning and buying company, and I kind of suddenly felt, oh my god, maybe. It's not, not that I didn't have, um, I didn't believe that I was a, a good artist or creator, but I suddenly thought there's all these other people out there. And, you know, 
I need to be realistic about what money I can earn uh, as a creator. I need to be realistic about the kind of the competition out there. And although working in a in a media agency, media planning and buying is quite a creative place, and there's many creative opportunities in it, I was not. I was kind of buying TV. I was doing non-creative kind of stuff. It was only later, very luckily, kind of got found myself in a very lucky position where I actually I could convince my bosses at the time that actually there was an opportunity for me to launch a creative kind of department within my company and they let me do it. After about four or five years of not really doing kind of traditional creative stuff, I then suddenly launched myself into this and um, and and then started doing what I really love. Talk to me about the day-to-day of a creative director. Yeah, so I work as a, as a creative director, or an, an executive creative director to give the long and boring term. I work as an executive creative director in, as I mentioned, in a, in a media planning and buying agency. So I've actually worked in the same company called Mediacom, which is a big, big media agency or communications company, as we sometimes say, in London. And I've worked there for 22 years. Wow. Wow. And um, it's a fantastic company. And I've done many, many different types of roles in it. But it's very different from being a creative director in an ad agency. So in advertising agencies or creative agencies, as they call them, they're writing TV ads and print ads and, um, you know, digital ads or radio ads or whatever. And actually, I work in a, in a really interesting space where we do kind of everything that isn't advertising. So it might be sponsorship or social media, which is interesting, of course, because we're here talking about social media. We do influencer marketing, again, very, very close to what we're talking about. We do experiential. We do. Um, we make, uh, or rather, fund ad-funded TV shows. We do all of the other stuff, and and therefore, for me, it's it's uh, a very very interesting role because it's actually a huge amount of collaboration. It's about collaboration. It's not just about me coming up with the ideas, although I do that myself, and obviously I have a team that does that as well. But it's about working with partners all over the place, different media owners, um, for example, or with influencers, or whatever else. And and again, kind of talking a little bit about spotting the opportunities or spotting the the ideas, it's so much more about that than it is about actually developing themselves. That said, we have to write kind of big platform ideas all the time. So we might get a brief from a client and then we come up with like a big platform idea, a campaign name, whether it's a consumer-facing one or otherwise. But, I mean, it, it's an incredibly varied role. It's a wonderful role. I feel very privileged to have that role and I feel very privileged to be able to do that as well yeah okay well i obviously didn't know enough about the agency space although i thought i did i didn't realize that media buying and planning agencies have such a creative department i get from mediacom now a lot of them a lot a lot of them do a lot of them do now and, and i have done actually for quite a few years so when you're coming up with these ideas i know you said that at the end of the day coming up with the ideas that's on you and a lot of the time it's more so identifying the right idea versus actually coming up with the idea do you have a creative space or a creative process that you put yourself into when you're trying to come up with these ideas that to maximize the amount of creative output that comes from it yes and no i think I mean, it's interesting, obviously, over the last couple of years, the, the the whole kind of concept of a creative space has changed dramatically anyway, because a lot of people are sitting at home and trying to develop ideas either in isolation or over a video call with people. And, and I think there's you know, there's pros and cons of, of, of both methods. But yeah, I mean, we have lots of different processes. But one of the 
one of the best ones is is just kind of fully immersing ourselves in the brief and asking all the right questions about it and and really pulling it apart and understanding what the client really wants from it what all the objectives are what the uh, what the insights are around the audience and around the uh, the brand itself and you know what's going on in culture around it all of that kind of stuff you have to pull all of that together to have to get all of that knowledge to really understand what an idea or platform might be from it and uh, we we obviously have to do all that and then and then although we will you know we will have we'll have these kind of creative sessions where we develop ideas together we're talking it out in various different size groups or in pairs or whatever I do find actually a little bit of kind of personal space and time is very useful. And if you've really filled your brain with a huge amount of kind of information, I'm a real advocate for that, going for a walk or or doing something else. Even if you're kind of busying yourself doing something else, like it might be that I'm photoshopping animals, then something will come to me in my, you know, in my head. It will just it will just hit me. You can't, you can't let that. Well, you can't expect that to happen if you haven't filled yourself and uh, with with enough knowledge and immersed yourself in the in the, in the challenge at hand. Um, but if you have done all that, then you're kind of allowing ideas to kind of plant themselves. Um, that that said, that said again, you know, it's a very very collaborative process, and anybody can come up with an idea, and we really really believe that anybody, whether they've got a creative job or not, anybody can come up with an idea. Or at least anybody can come up with a spark of an idea. Um, so we, again, it's it's a lot about kind of talking to lots of different people and you know seeing what they've got to say, seeing what their knowledge is, seeing what their kind of experiences are, and and feeding from that. So I asked that question for selfish reasons. I want to try to find different ways to get into a creative space. And what I found, and it's interesting, you talk about the need to one fill up your creative bucket with different ideas and then go do something that's not that creative idea for me it's movement tom like if i'm on a train if i'm on a plane if i'm walking if i'm running cycling whatever maybe it's a little philosophical but like the subconscious comes through and i always find my best ideas when i'm walking when i'm on the train or when i'm on the plane i don't know why but that's just what i've come to so it's interesting to hear your perspective yeah it's funny that because i i I don't i don't think i've found my perfect space yet I, i i always think that surely if i go for a run then that's the perfect time to to think uh, and and to allow kind of thoughts to come to me but I've never ever managed to do it whenever I go for a run I don't know what the hell I think of I'm talking I'm thinking about other stuff Uh, I'm singing a song to myself I try not to take headphones with me because I know that'll distract me so I don't run with with music even though I love music and I listen to music a lot when I run I don't do that um, and, I, and one day I think I'm going to go for a run, and it, some some moment of inspiration is going to hit me. But it hasn't ha- it hasn't happened yet. It's normally kind of things like in the shower or doing the washing up or you know kind of mm. random stuff. But often, if I'm honest, yeah, I know I said about having your own kind of creative space. But most of the ideas uh, that I think that the better ideas I come up with are from talking with talking to people uh, and going, point. you know, that. Hang on, you just said something. You just said something then that is kind of really interesting. Let's build mm. on that. Let's do something with it. Or, um, and and my team hate me for doing this. Or, or maybe they just joke about me doing it. They'll say something, and I'll kind of think for a little bit, and then I'll practically repeat it back to them, but in a kind of slightly different way. And they're like, yeah. "That's what I just said." But at least I'm always, you know, I'm always. I try to always make sure that they get the credit. If they came up with the idea, you know, it's, it doesn't it doesn't need to be my idea. If it's a good idea then that's a, that's a great thing. Yeah. 
Okay, no, this is so cool. I could talk about this for hours, but I want to hear more about things I've drawn. So it's 2015. You were telling me that you came out of school a little intimidated by the digital side of being creative and advertising. You found this cool pocket at Mediacom working at a media planning and uh, buying agency, doing everything else that's not writing the actual ad. How do you come to Photoshop in 2015 to be able to do what you do? Because to be honest, it is definitely not easy. And it's so impressive to see all these images that come out. And even when I scroll to the bottom of your feed, the quality is still there. So it's not like over time, there's been this drastic difference. Now, that's that's nice of you to say so, because I look back at some of the early ones and think, oh, my gosh, I, I can't really? believe I actually did that. Yeah, that's, I, I, I look at it and go, that's that's not great at all. Um uh, just and to, just just clarify, of course, you know, 2015 is when I started things I've drawn, but of course, I came out of I came out of art school ooh, back in the 90s, right? And I, and I've been doing Photoshop. I've been doing Photoshop for, for for a long time, but but really only as a kind of a bit of hobby. I, I did a, a bit of, a bit at um, bit at work in in my uh, my creative job, but doing doing Photoshop. I mean, I'll be completely honest. I really don't know what the the vast majority of the functions in photoshop do i do photoshop to and i do the pictures to enjoy myself i mentioned it's quite a therapeutic process and at some point in my life i'm i'm almost going to have to it would be ridiculous for me not to actually go you know what i'm going to teach myself properly i'm going to go on some kind of advanced photoshop actually maybe advanced it might be even too advanced maybe i'll have to go for uh, medium but um, intermediate, you know, but I, I, I just love doing it. And it's, it's very nice of you to say a lot, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people online comment about the quality of it. That was always my intention. The intention was to create images that weren't necessarily photographically brilliant. So, you know, the kind of picture that somebody might take with a normal kind of camera or a camera phone or whatever it might be. So I never try and uh, put loads of kind of fancy filters on and make it look like it's kind of hyper real or kind of, you know, like a, a lot of stuff you see in Photoshop. You kind of go, oh, well, they've, put, they've done it and then they've put loads of filters on it and load of other additional layers with loads of atmospheric stuff. And, you know, and you can kind of go, well, that's clearly a, uh, you know, a, a fantastical Photoshop picture. My stuff is always really kind of focused around making a simple looking picture, but you can kind of believe that that thing is a real thing. It's pretty unbelievable that this is what's done, yet you're saying you're at a beginner level, maybe not even an intermediate level. Yeah, I do I do think that, um, and again, I've, I, this has been a theme throughout, throughout all the time I've been doing things I've drawn, is that I always find the more functions in Photoshop that I use, the worse and less believable the picture is. So... You know, people sometimes ask about the process. If I were to, the best process is when I'm able to see an animal in front of me and I'm able to take multiple photographs of it, you know. Uh, and also if the light is relatively flat. The, the end result will be slightly more interesting if there's a decent kind of sunlight on it with shadows, but it, it makes it a lot more difficult to Photoshop and to fake the shadows once you've kind of created the, the new fantastical beast. Um. But what I'll do is I'll take lots of different photographs and then I'll cut out the bits. I mean, I, I, you know, I'll be honest, it's not, it's, not a, it's not really a secret. A lot of people ask and I've never really kind of done a proper how-to video. But I'll cut out bits from it and I'll piece it back together um, with, you know, obviously kind of map it to the kid's drawing. 
And if it requires a whole load of new filters, I mean, of course, I use filters and I, and I, and I do some kind of you know puppet warp and whatever else. I don't know, you know anyone listening to this knows about Photoshop, but I'll use some of the, the kind of techniques. But the more I do, the more it kind of moves away from what feels like a realistic thing. Um, and you can kind of start to tell that that's a little bit fake. And, and of course, you look at all the pictures and of course, they're all fake. I mean, you, you, you get that. I mean, a lot of people actually think it's AI as opposed to um, Photoshop, uh, kind of, they think it's machine learning. And one of the reasons I think, I think if they think it's machine learning is one of my kids uh, is called Alistair. So I've got Dominic and Alistair. And Alistair we call Al. And of course, when you write Al, it's, uh, it looks like it's AI. Uh, so, you know, go, oh, this is, this is one by Al. And people go, oh, this is one by AI. So uh, I get a lot of people going, oh, it's clearly some kind of machine learning. And it's not really. That's probably the biggest compliment you can get, though. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if the um, that there are various kind of tools out there people are developing to try and, you know, take drawings and 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 use machine learning to make it real, and none of it's quite there yet. Okay, you start things I've drawn. Your kids are creating the drawings. You take the photos. You put it all together. You work your magic. Talk to me about the first time something hits or goes viral. Like what happened and how did you? deal with the i'm going to call it like semi-fame <laughs> so it's really semi-fame i'm not sure if it's that it's that even that so the story was that i started uh right at the very beginning of 2015 very very beginning and i put uh i created this 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 portrait of myself on twitter and i always laugh because the only person that commented and liked it was my brother he's an architect not an artist he's well he's a very creative guy but you know he liked it and went he said something like, you're not going to be able to keep the, this quality up, as in, you know, because they take a long time to do, right? And I'm not going to, you know, I don't think he believed I had the time or, or inclination to do loads of them. And then I started banking a few um, over the next few months and then started an Instagram account called Things I've Drawn, as you, as you know, uh, I think in about September that year. And it was almost exactly a year from that moment that it first went viral. And I, I mean, I know exactly how it went viral. It's no, again, no, no magic. I spoke to a, so there's this, this other, this other great artist, um, Instagram artist called uh, Chaz Hutton, who does, uh, who has a handle called Insta Chaz. He kind of post-it note kind of cartoons, and I didn't know him personally, but I knew it. It was kind of mate of a mate. Sure. And I, and I kind of said to 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 my mate, a fellow called David, and I said, you know, what's, what was his secret? What did he do? And he said, well, you stick out and read it. I'm like, oh, okay, let's do that then. So one Sunday night, I put it on Reddit. I think it it wasn't my first attempt. I think it was my second attempt, maybe, of putting something on Reddit. And within two hours, it was at the top of Reddit. And wow. I kind of thought, that's wow. cool. Didn't know what that meant, but like, okay, fine. I mean, I knew I knew about Reddit, right? I knew I knew you know I knew about the power of Reddit, but I didn't really imagine what it would then lead to, what it would then need lead to. So I went into work the next day, and you know, I work in a you know again as you know a creative kind of team and I kind of said to I was doing a kind of talk to my team in the morning and I said hey by the way at the end of my little kind of weekly talk I said hey I got um got to the top of reddit last night that's pretty cool didn't it but I didn't really think much much more about it and then in the afternoon that day uh it was posted on board panda uh and then from board panda it was just it just went like wildfire across the week and I I ended up I mean, I think three or four, maybe five TV interviews in in the space of a few days. I mean, we were talking to the, we were talking about going on the Ellen Show at one point. We didn't make it on, unfortunately, but 
it was a, it was a phenomenal rise. But then it's still only. I mean, despite all of that, it only went up to about a um, hundred thousand followers, which is which is a good number. But given the given the media attention it got over you know over the course of uh, a week or two, it went up to a hundred thousand followers. Then then um, you know it kind of slowly kind of continued up over the next uh, year or two, and then. Um, and then I just put another one. I did a particularly good one. I did this horse, which is kind of quite a, now become quite a famous horse with a very very long face that looks a little bit like something else, and done by a, a lovely little girl in in the, my village called uh, Beatrice. And I put it. Uh, I, I created that, and that just went whoosh, uh, went up. Sorry, no one can see my finger going up in the air. We we heard the but noise. We got yeah. It. <laughs> up and then look i mean then i went up i mean there was one particular day i went up 60,000 followers in one day it's quite phenomenal and you know and then over time it's kind of gone viral a couple more times it's gone viral on twitter a bit and and then in the last in the last year it's it's enormous become enormous on tiktok but with absolutely no credit to me as an artist really which is kind of kind of frustrating but less frustrating to me because I have a full-time job that I really enjoy. But if I were a, if I were an artist trying to make money from this as my full-time job, I would be pretty devastated. There are, there are kind of hashtags dedicated to if kids' drawings were were real and that kind of stuff. And it's all my work. It's all my work. But there's no... I've got barely any presence on TikTok. I haven't got time to do TikTok, really. I, I think that's the unfortunate part, right? It's, it's the it's the double-edged sword. It's The internet can spread like wildfire, so you go from nothing to something in a matter of seconds. But in the same vein, it's very easy for people to spread it without giving credit and without yeah. properly identifying who that artist is. But as you were saying, luck... I don't know if luckily is the right word, but I'll use it here. Luckily, this isn't your full-time job. So 2015 rolls around. You have that one big hit on Reddit, and then it keeps going, and a couple other big hits. Was there ever the thought to take this full-time and stop being a creative director at Mediacom? Well, I need to be careful what I say here. No, I think I think I think there's a there's a lot of people uh, at my work who kind of look at me going, why why aren't you doing this as a full time thing? I do I love my I love my job actually. I do love my job. I'm very 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 privileged to have a great job that I enjoy, and and actually there's a, there's a remarkable overlap. This is you know this is I I, I really feel for the, the 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 people out there who are desperately trying to make money as artists using social media as their main platform to to share their work you know I mean mine isn't anywhere near as experimental as I probably would like it to be if I were you know doing other stuff because I've got other ideas people say well what are your other ideas and like, oh, I'm, I'm a one-trick pony right because I'm just doing <laughs> not quite the same thing but you know the theme is very very consistent consistency is really important and yeah I've had I've had I've had thoughts you know I, I often think I, there's so much more I'd like to do with this. There's so much more I'd like to do, but I just don't have time. You know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm barely posting once a fortnight at the moment, and that's a, that's a frustration to me because I've got so many other things to do. I've also recently become a trustee of a wonderful charity called The Big Draw in the UK. A bit of a plug for them, and you know, that's another another thing that I'm doing on top of it. So I kind of like I've got that to do as well. I do other charity work as well. And I just, I just feel, I feel very lucky that I'm able to do these different things, 
And, you know, at some point, look, maybe it's a retirement plan. Maybe that retirement plan will come back, you know, will we'll, we'll come forward early and, you know, I'll get another big break from it and I'll, you know, make a make a ton of money. But um, at the moment, I'm, I feel very lucky to be able to do two two things that I really enjoy very much. The same energy is there for you. It's not like uh, my job and then I talk to you about being the creator and, and you light up. It's the exact same. So, hey, Mediacom, it's I the, promise it's the same. you. Mediacom, I'll send you this video and you can see that the way that Tom talks about his job with you guys <laughs> and his own endeavors is the exact same. But you were talking a little bit about money, about revenue streams. I know that there's a little bit more to the world of things I've drawn than just Instagram. I know that there's Patreon. You've come out with some books, which is super cool, some merch. As it stands right now, what does the business of things I've drawn look like? I mean, the business isn't a big business. It's uh, yes, you say you're right. I have a, I had a book out and I had it out in in Italian, uh, relatively recently. I, I I've uh, I had a range of stickers out with a great company, New York based uh, sticker company called Apply Stickers. Um, we have a greetings cards range with a with a company in the UK called Funky Pigeon. You know, and then I've done some brand deals, and and again the brand deals have some of the brand deals have been truly remarkable. I mean, properly properly enjoyable things to do um again it's fantastic to be paid to do certain things and to get certain opportunities i mean for example i did a i did a um a trip to milan just before uh the first lockdown and uh, and did a takeover of the gucci instagram account um for the men's fall um fall winter fashion show and sat on the you know front row at the fashion show and you know and they gave me a huge amount of creative freedom uh, it, it was just a remarkable experience and, and, and really great. And actually, it was I think they were quite surprised by me as a creator because I was kind of used to working with clients in my job. I'm not, not just kind of used to, I'm very, very used to working with clients in my job, in my day job. And I was there doing whatever they wanted me to do. I worked until two in the morning one night to make sure that you know some images were, were delivered. I was kind of doing everything in real time. And I really, really tried hard. And and it was a great great experience, I think, because the relationship with them was was fantastic. It was just a, a wonderful thing. So there's lot there's lots of things like that, but there's nothing there's nothing massive because I don't have time, and I and I accept that I don't have time to do it. Uh, and I'll keep I'll keep as far as I can see, I'll keep kind of you know moving ahead slowly, incrementally, kind of doing new bits and pieces as the opportunities come along. But one of the things I'm really happy to do, remarkably enough, is charity stuff. Because again, I kind of feel like I'm doing things that are benefiting the charities. And that's a good thing. That's a really good thing for, for them. And it's a good thing for the world. The one thing that I was really drawn to, and I read this in an interview, in, I think it was Pop Sugar. You said the best thing about this project is that it encourages kids to be creative. And I've heard you also say that informally earlier in this chat. I saw the focus and, and the real care for wanting to do more philanthropic work as well. Are you looking at things I've drawn as a vessel to impact more people and other institutions? Yes. Yes, I yes. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah, I am. It, it's interesting because it was such an obvious move to take it from doing stuff with my two boys. They're older now. One's just turned 13 he, although he doesn't draw as much as I'd love him to draw, you know, he's quite accomplished. It, the, the whole, the beauty of things I've drawn is about taking kind of really naive and playful pictures that kids have imagined, 
you know and obviously as they get older they get a bit more accomplished at, at drawing and you know if the form's really quite close to the actual form of the real thing then it's just not as fun a picture to to create um so the really obvious thing was then to start working with other kids you know and and we get i don't think i ever really asked for this if i'm honest um and some people seem to expect me to just go of course i'll turn your kids drawing into a into a real thing but i get sent hundreds of these things from from all over the world and you know at one point i was getting hundreds a day it was quite phenomenal um when when our instagram was really shooting up very high but it's just a one it's a wonderful thing right it's a wonderful thing to to make kids happy and to make their parents happy and to make kind of even just in a very very small way getting those kids encouraging those kids to to draw pictures and and i kind of there's this bit of a kind of paradox really with with things i've drawn um, in the sense that I'm kind of using new technology to to show the pictures of kids and actually one of the real things and one of the real reasons, I mean, one of the reasons why I kept this thing up when my kids were young was because I was trying to find an alternative to them playing on computer games all the time. You know, kind of going, like, kids, kids, you know, why don't you draw? Why don't you draw pictures? And and, and I think it's a, it's it's something that, many many parents will recognize you know it's not screens aren't going away right and it's almost become a cliche to talk about screen time but it's a it's a battle in the in 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 the in many homes across the world and this was just a tiny tiny way of saying you know what kids why didn't you just do a drawing for me today because we can turn it into a real thing and then it kind of feels like again if i had if i had more time if i had a, a massive team of people that were able to do it um, with me Although I'm quite particular and I don't like to outsource the uh, the, the photoshopping too much, um, you know it would be wonderful if we could do more of it and get uh, and, and get more kids uh, drawing across the globe. But that's, that's exactly why, uh, again, going back to that um, the charity I mentioned earlier, the Big Draw, they do that. They encourage people to draw. It's, it's a great fit, and, it, and it's it's doing everything that I want uh, it could it, it to do. It's to get people to pick up a pen and paper and actually draw a picture. I connect with that so much. I think there's there's always this element of like as you move out of childhood, you start looking at the future. The future almost like limits what you think you can do. But I saw another quote from you that I really connected with. You go like the thought crossed my mind that maybe it was us adults not looking at the word world correctly and that maybe the kids had it right. And I thought that was such an amazing quote because it's so simple, but you don't think about it. You're like, oh, well, I'm the adult. Like I have all this experience but what kids have which us adults don't well a lot of us adults don't is imagination and you're helping in one way you're helping kids realize that hey you know, like this can be something real like what you dream up in your mind what you draw what you put on a paper just because it has a big tooth compared to the 100 small perfect ones that a shark has honestly i thought that quote was unbelievable and it just it hit home because it's the way that i ideally want to live my life yeah i i think i do think I kind of forgot about that quote, but you're right. It kind of, it does resonate. It does. And, and, and it's kind of actually, when you think about it now, it's actually potentially quite profound, isn't it? Very. The, 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 you know, adults haven't got time for this stuff. They kind of, you know, they just accept the world around them as it is. And they just go around their everyday lives and, and, and not really look at the things that, you know, the, the, the beauty of the world for example the you know blossoms coming out on the trees here it's it's fantastic it's wonderful it makes you feel happy 
it's difficult sometimes to feel happy at the moment. There's lots of shit going on. You know, and, and I think kids, kids, you know, when they're when they're really young, they just they go around with this. Obviously, I mean, they obviously they go around with this kind of childlike wonder. They look at things in a different way, and 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 you know, then you know, a lot of kids don't need encouraging to draw. They just kind of do it anyway because they see, you know, they see this thing in front of them and they're inspired by it and then they 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 want to they want to create they want to create it in their own magical way it would it would be interesting to investigate that kind of that further if this kind of thing really were you know i mean sculptures for example you know actual real things you know kind of and you kind of look at it and go oh, there, there it is there's that things i've drawn thing in the real world things i've drawn and disney collaboration is unbelievably perfect and I'm wondering, how do you not do a million things? Because it sounds like there's so many exciting things, whether it's philanthropic, whether it's for profit, or whether it's fulfillment, whatever it may be. There's so much that can be done here. It feels like there's just not enough time. That That's absolutely the case. I mean, yeah. absolutely the case yeah. that there isn't enough time. I mean, um, I do, when I talk to my wife sometimes, uh, I'll, I'll throw a new idea at her and she'll kind of look at me and go, what, what on earth are you talking about? You know what? What is that? And 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 I'll just get very animated about it. I go, yeah, yeah, but we could do this and think about this and you could do that and whatever else. There's a lot. I have lots of those kind of conversations. I was having one with her just last night. Exactly a conversation like that. It's quite challenging to want to do this stuff all the time. Uh, I mean, the reality is, I second screen. I I I, I struggle. I struggle to watch tv without also photoshopping something at exactly the same time i um it, when i watched squid game recently i couldn't just watch squid game i had to ride on my exercise bike at the same time because i felt so uncomfortable with the idea of just doing one thing and just watching it um but yeah i mean I, it's very difficult i i, I, str- I struggle to watch uh, anything with um with subtitles because i need to be doing photoshop and, and that's kind of a, a necessity as well but that's how i fit it in i just fit it in all the time and my, and, and my wife just unfortunately i think accepts it that i just do it all the time <laughs> whenever i can you've become very successful just in your traditional career let's call it and still have the passion for this which I feel like doesn't happen too often. And so it's so cool to see it all come together and just to hear you talk about it. In terms of like the next year, is there something that you're focusing on to try take it to a different level, like a collaboration that, what if it's public, that you are working on? Yeah, I mean, I'm doing a, I'm doing a lovely uh, uh, thing, with a, again, with a charity. I mentioned about charities. Um, the charity in the UK called Rays of Sunshine. They uh, This is kind of an, this is my immediate... Uh, my immediate uh, project. Uh, I actually won, helped win a, uh, a creative competition for them. So we've got a kind of a national poster campaign going out in in April. We're doing this 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 campaign where we're kind of taking some seriously ill kids' drawings and making them real, and it's 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 a lovely thing. I mean, the, the charity itself grants wishes to seriously ill kids. And, and and actually, although a lot of the kids inevitably want to go to kind of Disneyland or they want to go to, you know, they were going to go on kind of amazing trips around the world. Some of them actually, you know, are really, really grateful to have uh, and really inspired and, and, and happy to have their drawings kind of made real and, you know, displayed on, on, on big posters, big screens around the around the country. So, you know, it, so I'm doing that. I mean, I've got a few things. I've got a few things underway that I can't talk about 
but okay. I mean, there will that will all that will always be the case. I will always okay. have things underway. I can't imagine not having a uh, something that I'm planning in the future or kind of doing doing the background. I don't know what yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do when I'm too old to even lift lift my hand and and Photoshop something. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> that's that's my biggest fear. I'm sure there'll be something with like Neuralink and Photoshop where you can think about it and the action will be done. Elon will figure that will, something out. That will you. happen. That will yeah. happen. I'm I'm certain of it. No, this has been such an amazing chat. It is it's so refreshing and it's inspiring to hear how you go about everything. I had a smile on my face the whole time hearing about how you navigate, how it started, how you're trying to bring your own childlike curiosity every single day. The question I'll end off with, if you could have dinner with one person, whether alive or dead, who would it be and why? That is such a that is I should have I should have known you were going to ask that. <laughs> should have known you were going to ask that. I would like to have was it a dinner? Dinner, yeah. Dinner, lunch. Who would drinks? I have dinner with? I would like to have dinner with a bunch of school school teachers and some of their pupils to listen to the types of conversations they're having, listen to the imagination that's kind of, you know, being communicated. Um, and of course, I can do this. So, you know, I've said it. I've said this is if I could do it with anyone, well, who would it be? And I've just said something I can, I can, I can make happen tomorrow. But it's, you know, it, it, it I kind of I don't want to sound too cheesy and cliched, but I inevitably will will end up being so. The best the best people are the the kind of the future creative people, the future kid the kids who don't have all of the crap going on in their minds that that have a an absolute kind of an innocent and uh innocent and naive view of what their futures are going to be like and and it's just a more enjoyable place to listen it's just a more enjoyable thing to to listen to what kids think of the world and and then i think and i think the teachers i mean again i, I talked about coming from a family of teachers my, my dad was a teacher as well i think they are they're incredible people that really don't get appreciated as much as they should and some teachers are good some teachers aren't so good but it's a it's an incredible career choice I never I never wanted to be a teacher because well for a number of reasons I I, I kind of wondered if it was a bit of a thankless task at times but uh you know these are the people that are kind of really really controlling uh, or, or not controlling but that you know they are they have the opportunity to to create the world ahead of us because they are teaching the kind of the kids that are going to grow up and, and, you know, find their way in the world. And I just think it's, you know, I'd get inspired by when I, when I speak to teachers, I think they do an incredible job and, um, and that would be my choice, even if it's not quite the answer you wanted. No, love it. And it's cool because you're definitely, even if it's not conscious, you are definitely teaching so many other people. I'd say you're probably teaching adults more than you're teaching kids how to stay creative and, and how to tap into that imagination. Tom, it's been so much fun getting the chat. Uh, I'm excited to see what's coming out next couple of years, even especially when you retire and you have the time to do this full time. That's probably when I'm most excited. But thanks so much for coming on. It was, it was a ton of fun. That's an absolute pleasure. And again, another incredible, incredible human giving me such a cool episode and I hope all of you enjoyed it. You know, the one thing that stood out to me with Tom 
was the idea that he only uses a couple functions in Photoshop and he doesn't know what half the functions do. It's so refreshing to hear that, right? We think we always have to know more, do more, use everything at our disposal. Yet some of the best artists, they own their domain, they define their domain, and that's it. That's all they need. And it's such a good reminder for all of us, whether we're creating art or we're creating experiences for other people, whatever it may be, know what you need and don't feel like you have to do everything because the experience or the art that you're going to create at the end of the day impacts people, whether you use 50 million functions or just one function. And that one function could be your voice. Look at someone like Martin Luther King. Well, that's the episode. It'd be awesome if you could leave a review, some stars, a word to say what's up, message me on Twitter at datkeed, say what's good, who are you, what do you love about the creator space, who else should I bring on that's making an impact. As always, this is just such a fun endeavor. I hope you're enjoying the episodes and we'll see you next week again for another interesting episode. This time it's more on the tech side. All right, have a great weekend. We'll catch you next week.